0: Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to another episode of Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Here to break down um, a frightening performance, is what Kyle's titled. this. uh, That game against the Cowboys last night was just uh, abysmal. Um, It was frustrating to watch, and I don't actually care that much about the Vikings um so i i don't know if you have anything to say before we get into it um yeah it's
1: i was you know one thing i was going to say was that it it reminded me of christmas in a sense um in that like our christmas performance against the saints was just awful and i went to bed on christmas night in a lousy mood and then uh, this halloween performance was awful when i went to bed in a lousy mood so it's
0: two important holidays in a row here. And uh, so we'll, we'll see if they can turn it around. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the question. Like they'll see if you turn it around. Cause it feels like um, the way that the game has been left last night, that there's a lot of drastic moves that people are looking. And I know we've got the trade deadline, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah. yeah it, this is just was not the performance that we we're looking for. We talked about last week that there, this kind of needed to be a win. And as you watched you know, last night, it felt like that was needed to be a win and they lost yep. again. Um, so let's get into it first down. We want to figure out, I, I think there's a little bit of a question of who gets the blame after last night. Um, certainly there's a lot of blame to go around after that performance. Who would you yep. say is most responsible for that loss last night? So I think, so a lot of people played poorly and you could say that, you know, there was
1: mistakes in basically every phase of the game pretty much. Um, I think it has to go to Zimmer, right? Like it has to go to the head coach. The team was just so uninspired, right? And we've said that before this season, is an uninspiring performance. There was just such a lack of urgency and swagger to the performance. It was so peculiar. And I know, I know we, we've seen this before, but man, it, it just felt weird coming off that bye. And I know they're coming off the bye as well. But it was bad. It was bad. So you start with the man at the top, it seems. And then I think from there, you look at, I mean, the offense. It's as if they just didn't know that Micah Parsons could play football. You know, they kept showing it, or throwing it, rather, into these short areas of the field. And Parsons is just coming up and making these amazing tackles. I mean, he was sensational, right? And I got to think that, you know, to, he, he, he's, he's a very good football player. But so much of it was just not forcing the ball downfield at all. I mean, Justin Jefferson did basically nothing yesterday. You know, he came up short on that deep route. Um, early in the game, he finished with two catches for 21 yards. He did not have a good game. KJ Osborne had two catches for 10 yards. I mean, we targeted CJ Ham several times. He finished with three receptions for three yards. But again, that's kind of the Micah Parsons effect where he, you're, you're just getting these, you're trying to get these yards after the catch. And I think, you know, they've been doing that to try and compensate for the offensive line, but it just did not work against the Cowboys because Parsons is so physical and so mobile. Uh, there's a lot of blame to go around. But uh, I would say we start with the coaches and, and go from there. And when you, when you look at it, or when you look at it, who do you think is probably the main – or do you, are there several maybe?
0: Yeah, well, like, honestly, I, I just – I knew – it's hard sometimes to separate when you start looking at Twitter and you start seeing what everyone else is saying. Um, it did feel yeah, very right? much like like Zimmer was the guy last night for for almost everyone. Yeah. It felt like, and I, I think that yeah. I, I'm usually hesitant to blame the coach, but there was certainly there's a few plays last night, like the the second timeout, um, some of the play calling, the, the not calling the timeout uh, in the second half. Although I feel like that Rude. one's a little bit like. One, I felt it was a little bit more forgivable. Kind of, you have the lead going to the half, but if if you have the ball for the amount of time they had and what they're doing, um, call the the thing. You don't like everyone's like, you don't get to carry it over in the second half. Um, yeah, I just, I exactly, I I initially when I was watching, I felt actually more disappointed with the defense, and they were certainly giving a lot of room. there but yeah. but it felt just as as time went on like yeah that that defense was poor and i know that a lot of that falls on on zim and um yeah I, I think it's fair to say that he if you're if you're in scale blame around he definitely gets the most
1: right i mean it's in some fair the cowboys are actually like a really talented offense they actually have you know they're just so difficult to match up against with the running backs that they have and the only that they have and the the receivers it's a really really tough ask and I understand that we're down Patrick Peterson we're down Michael Pierce we lost Daniel Hunter you know I understand all that but really there's no they were they were down Dak Prescott right and then Tyron Smith left so I just you know that I can't there's really no excuse it's not altogether surprising that Dallas still found a little bit of success on offense given the weapons that they have but there's really no excuse for how the defense ended up playing. And then as you're saying on that last drive, the second time out, and then you lose those five yards. And then Ezekiel Elliott's third and eleven, and Dallas is basically saying, we're content to kick a field goal and then try and take this overtime is essentially what they're doing. We're just picking up five, six yards, make it an easier field goal. It's going to be 16, 16. And said, you have a two missed tackles and Anthony Barr, who I actually thought had a nice game. He was one of the, you know, it was him and Mackenzie Alexander but it was 11 yards, and I believe Ezekiel Elliott went for 15 on that play. Keep in mind, it was 3rd it was and 16 before the, the missed timeout. Then it was 3rd and 11, he picks up 15, right? So, you know, if that exact play happens from 3rd and 16, then, you know, it's 4th and 1, and who knows, maybe it's 16, 16. Maybe there's, you know, more time left on the clock, and the Vikings can march down the field and kick a field goal of their own and win. Maybe they go into overtime and win, who knows? But the end of the halves were... Awful, awful. The end of the first half was ridiculous. The end of the second half was ridiculous. And I, how can you not look at the like head coach in those situations, right?
0: Oh no, hundred percent. And like I know, um the, the the blown tackles hurt. I know. And the second the the second time, yeah. I, like just the combination of it, like the that blown tackle for me was like, oh man. Like I actually felt not that I felt good about the performance, but I felt like they had the ability to still bring out a win here and like they hadn't trailed. Um, yeah. And so like, it was like, you know what, they, they've got this. And just to see them blow it and the, just the combination of the events is really hard to, to swallow. And I, I feel yeah. like, like, I guess maybe just to wrap up this section, what I'll ask you, I think mm-hmm. that firing a coach midseason in some ways, I think, while it's, it's not always just about blaming the coach, but it's about a little bit of a reset for a team. And yep. I think that for this Vikings yep. team where they've underperformed so far and that this, yep. whether, whether it's the coach's fault or not, yep. it's, it's on him. And so I guess the question for you is if you had to put it a scale of one to 10, or maybe it's a, a percentage, if that's easier for you, um, what would you say the chances are? Cause I think if it was up to the fan base, he'd be gone. What are the chances that you, you get rid of Zim after this yeah. week? after this week, chances
1: are probably 15, 20% yeah. because I think the Vikings are, and it's not, I mean, it's definitely in their minds. If the season continues like this, then I think he's gone for sure. But I just think that they, the Vikings are quite stubborn in the vision and stubborn in their plan. And I think the the game plan from the outset was to kind of give this a, a real go this year uh, and give it, give it the full year, pretty much the full year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and give give this thing a shot with this roster, with Zimmer, with Kirk Cousins, and so that's my rationale. But I think after seeing that performance, not that I know what I'm talking about, but you got to think that Spielman, the Wolves, uh, that this is now becoming increasingly likely if if we keep putting up performances like this, because we easily could have lost the Lions, we easily could have lost the Panthers. Now we have the backup quarterback at home Sunday night after the bye week, and we lose. And, and you allow that late score just like you did for three consecutive games. And this, this time you couldn't come up with any magic. So it catches up with you. And uh, that's a big reason for concern in
0: my mind. For sure. It is for sure. And, and the thing is we, we actually messaged throughout the week and thought that um, I actually almost felt worse about the Vikings playing the Cowboys without Dak Prescott, because um, just there seems to be this thing with teams where you play down to your competition uh, and the Vikings certainly did that, and exactly. I think that part of that falls on the coach uh, and getting people repaired, especially coming out of a bye week. Especially, um, I understand maybe the Euro rhythm a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. I and I, but I, I do agree. I think it's fair. Like, if he's out, then yeah. who comes in? And like, is it actually the best thing for this team for that to happen um, at the stage? I, I would probably yeah. say no. Um, there, things aren't over, but it's certainly takes it's going to take a lot for them to be able to recover the season because now when we were talking about them going um was it seven and four coming out of the bye now it's um seven and three probably to to be able to make that yep that, that playoff spot and there's yeah. there, there's some there's some really challenging games coming up um and and so i guess with yep. that transition yep. into second down here in the trade deadline And so trade deadlines, we're recording Monday, November 1st, trade deadlines tomorrow, November 2nd. And I think that leading into this week, you would have said, you know what, maybe they're looking to add a couple pieces, maybe one piece. Um, Does the performance from last night impact how you feel like the Vikings should proceed with with the trade deadline? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. Again, I think they will be stubborn
1: in their vision of – this is the roster we built. This is the leadership we have. And we're going to give this kind of everything we've got this year and see if it can work, kind of give it this one final chance. Um, and so I do still believe they will be stubborn in that conviction and you can decide for yourself whether they should or shouldn't be stubborn, I guess, but where before I thought that maybe would be buyers and it'd be easy to see. So we're four and three great performance you know, and we maybe want to add one piece to help solidify depth here or give us another weapon here. Now, I don't know if they do that. Are you really willing to move future assets at this stage to bring in a player who might not work out because it's tough to bring in a player midseason? Um, it's probably the most difficult in football of the four major sports because there's such an intellectual hurdle to getting up to speed with a new team. The systems are so complex. The playbooks are so large. Um and even in other sports, is difficult. It doesn't always work out traded lines, right? So I, I would be surprised at this stage if the Vikings did do something. Maybe, maybe, maybe they'll bring in um, some depth of corner, especially if maybe it's a younger player, perhaps, who they feel like they could resign if things work out. But uh, yeah, I think this does change their approach in a sense because do you really, is this a team that should be moving future assets? Well, you're three and four. So how much you know, how much do you put into that, that record? Is that three and four actually a reflection of you guys? Are you actually not a great team and therefore you need to start building for the future? Or are you far better than three and four and really you just need some help? Or get more lucky or have better execution or whatever the case may be. So I I think this probably undermines them as buyers, but we'll
0: see. Yeah. It- it's strange because in some ways it almost feels like um, like they've certainly underperformed what they should be in, in the three and four record and in other ways it feels yep. like they've just they've deserved it based on what they've done um, and like just they have not been able to perform in the moments that make the difference between a win and a loss yep. and so right. yep. how confident are you actually that this is going to be a team that can make the playoffs like in my mind, if I was to make the like trades, and, and certainly this is not uh, in any way an expert opinion, but in some ways it feels like at this stage, you know what, you're three and four. There is very little chance that this team, even if you make the playoffs, is going to be able to do anything unless something changes. And yep. Yep. like you're not at a stage where you're going to trade away, um, like prime assets to get a prime person in return. And at that point, I feel like if you're trading, something like a, a mid to late round pick for a depth player like what what's the point and in some ways i would actually feel like selling mm-hmm. and sell sell something that you can get some assets for and say you know what like we're selling and it's it's up to the people in this room like there, there's enough players on this roster to be able to step up and do something here um so like honestly at this point i would sell with the intent that, that doesn't mean that it's not like giving up on the playoffs, but um, and I don't know who that player is, someone on an expiring contract. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But man, this—I, I, it would be very hard, I think, as a fan, while, while it's always nice when your team goes for it, it would be hard to justify any kind of move at this point from, from my perspective.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And
0: so much of the, the talk leading up to this game
1: and through the bye week, it was centered around potentially adding someone. But with that performance, I just think you either... Maintain the status quo because why would you trade out a young player or a a pick or something like that? Or why would you know why would you undermine your future, right? And then what you're saying makes sense. Maybe you maybe move someone, and I don't know who that would be, but to shake things up a little bit and uh, you know then bring in something that can help you in the future as well, maybe a draft pick, something like that.
0: Yeah, it uh, and like I I say that not because I think it's it's important to not react over what you saw in one game. Um, although yes. it was an important game. I say that with yep. taking, you got to take all seven games and so far and just what's been expected so far and what's happened and just the way that this team is functioning. Like um, it does feel like something needs to change. And I don't think that while the coach maybe is to blame after yesterday, it's it, it doesn't I have a hard time thinking that firing the coach mid season is going to make this team better right now. Um, and so that's why I feel like maybe you trade a player and, and shake up things a little bit and see see what happens. But um yeah, I think we're both on board with the idea of not not buying and and who knows, maybe they'll they'll do something fantastic tomorrow and they'll go on a 10 game run, 12 game run. What what is what's what's the Super Bowl? 14 games, um f- 14 games away. Maybe that will uh, we can dream for that. But at this point, it's uh it's just so disappointing. It makes yesterday even more disappointing thinking yep, exactly. about the trade deadline. Like it's just, there's just so many things off the bye week trade deadline, the opponent looking ahead of the schedule. It's just, there's so many things that make that, that loss disappointing. And and with that, maybe transition yep. to third down here with looking ahead at the schedule. Um, we've talked about this four game stretch yep. for a while. Um, we talked last week about how probably the Cowboys game was, you um, one of the games out of the next four that felt the most winnable. Um, we saw how that went. How confident mm-hmm. should fans be going to this Baltimore game?
1: Not super confident, frankly, because it's, yep. it's, you know, again, we've got this pattern, same as you're saying about like, you need to take the whole seven games into consideration. Well, when you do, it's not very impressive. Even the games we've won weren't impressive. So Uh, and then we found, you know, obviously ways to lose in heartbreaking fashion that uh, can kind of shake your confidence in a team. So I don't think you should feel overly confident heading into the Baltimore game because Baltimore is a good team. Uh, It's difficult. It's on the road. Maybe the one thing that helps us in a sense is that it's a one o'clock game, I believe. So, Vikings tend to do better, I think, in a lower pressure kind of situation. And so... I don't know if you buy the cousins and primetime theories or whatever the case may be, but maybe the fact that it's more of kind of like a run of the mill game, uh, even though it's on the road, perhaps uh, perhaps it still sets up a little bit better. But again, Sam was just mentioning this part of what makes this game sort of disappointing against the Cowboys is that, you know, you have this four game stretch and here you are rested relatively healthy. I know we're missing a few key players, but relatively healthy at home against the backup quarterback and you just feel like we need to win this. Like we, we need, we need to get it. Right. Like You can't not have it. Right. Cause we're going on the road against the Ravens next week. Right. And we've got the chargers and then we've got the Packers and you're kind of thinking to yourself, none of these are guarantees. I mean, it's not that any games and no, no games are guaranteed for the Vikings. So it's in any case, this was the Dallas game was disappointing uh, for precisely these reasons we've been discussing here. And I don't feel particularly confident in uh, in this Ravens game, but one thing that will be interesting is what are the, if, if, if the Vikings go out again and put out basically a similar performance. You know, with the Lions, they weren't very good, lost the lead late, somehow won in the end. Did the same thing against the Panthers, did the same thing against Dallas, but they end up losing. If the Vikings go and do that again against the Ravens, what what happens then to the team? Do you, you know, is there? And now I know the trade deadline's gone. So, and that's—it's not like you can, you know, trade someone or bring someone in or whatever the case may be. But does it lead to shuffling the, the coaching staff, or does it lead to—I I don't, I don't even know what at that point—benching uh, um, certain players, elevating certain players? Uh, what can you do to shake things up? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I don't know. Do you do you feel like we have? Any real reason here for confidence when it comes to the Ravens?
0: No, although I do (laughs) think that, like, I guess maybe one is that this team does seem to match up almost perfectly in terms of, like, their effort and skill-wise for the opponent. Um, And I think that fair to say that Baltimore is the best team that they'll have played up to this point. Um, I know, like, record-wise, I believe the Cowboys had a better record um maybe i'm wrong maybe they were i thought that uh anyways i regardless i, I still think the baltimore ravens is the, is the best team that this team will have faced up to this point and so sure um so far i would say that means hopefully if if patterns serve themselves correctly that that this should be their best performance um so yeah this this though they talked about it on the broadcast last night like The one thing this team does is like they make everything interesting and for myself i i enjoy it to an extent um but it is so hard to watch a team and just watching um finding different ways to lose i guess probably is is the best way to say it at this point um they they continue to find a way to lose or find a way to make a mess of things and it is just so incredibly frustrating to be a fan of a team like that (laughs) yeah yeah it's um it really is but this this is just typical
1: like this is you're you're still quite new to this whole thing but this is just part of the course
0: it's it's so sad i like i, I Feels like I can i um this is why i have fought absorbing any kind of vikings fandom um and uh if anyone wants to to join me we can we can find another team to cheer for um it's not too late but i will say this i i say that in jest but i i i really do think that when not if when it is all over and won a super bowl um i i you know what i can't even say it'll all be worth it because i don't like like you fans like people are just the if if you're still invested it's heartbreaking if you're been heartbroken so many times yep. you're just you're dead um i don't know what to say about like i don't know if you can say it's all worth it in terms of the emotional angst that you've experienced um but mm-hmm. that that will be a great feeling and i will say now if not when and that when may be when we're all dead so can't really se- celebrate that but um yep this team
1: has been around so came into the nfl in sixty one, nineteen sixty one. 1961 so there are people who followed this team for four decades five decades that kind of thing you know who've passed away, never seen a team win a Super Bowl. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm like Sam, I say to myself, will they win someday? Yeah, but of course. Like, I, I believe that. Like, the Red Sox overcame their curse. The Washington Capitals in hockey, the St. Louis Blues won. The Cubbies overcame their curse. Like, team teams overcome things. Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. Like, this, this happens, right? It's not common, but it does happen. Like, we've seen it multiple times across different sports in our own lifetime. The Philadelphia Eagles a few years ago. They had never won before, right? And they won. So it'll happen. Will it happen in my life? Boys, I
0: hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Hey, we're we're in our late 20s. We've got we've got a long stretch ahead, hopefully. So um hopefully. Yeah. yeah. 108 years like that. That is like there's no one that lived well, maybe there's there's one or two people, but like that's uh that's a hard hard stretch. To, <laughs> that's, a, that's a few generations of of uh, of losing was it the Red Sox um, I don't think it was the Red Sox, but I think the, the Cubs were 108 years. Oh, okay. Was it the Cubs? Man, I'm, I hope so. I, I'm throwing out some stats today with with uh, little background. Um, anyways, any any last comments before uh... 100
1: 108 years confirmed
0: Chicago, Man. Chicago
1: Cubs. So says so says the internet. Okay. Cubs win first World Series in 108 years. Perfect. Okay. Well, there you go.
0: Okay. Do we look into so my So if my... we
1: so the Vikings have been around for like what? Go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say I was looking into the Baltimore Ravens thing. I, Baltimore was has two losses, so I was a little off yeah. on that one, but but still, um, I, I would still say they're a better team than the Cowboys. But I'm sorry, go ahead. You think they're better than the Cardinals? Oh, that's a good question. I uh, no. No, I, I yeah. forgot about that. Because, because that game was so I was, close. I was, I was going to say that. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Because that game was so close, and like, I thought that team played well, but it, it definitely, I think, was probably Arizona's, maybe one of their weaker performances this year. Um, but no, you're right. Right yeah. They would be up there with them. So.
1: At, at the time, in, in fairness, think that was week two, we didn't know how good Arizona would be looking come mm-hmm. midseason. Yep. You know, we're now in the middle of, and I know they just had not a great performance against Green Bay, but uh, to Sam's defense there, they were just a one and no team. You know what I mean? So it was, it was hard to say kind of how good they really were going to be, but it does look like they're quite a good, strong team.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see. I don't know if you have any final comments before we uh, wrap up this. No. I don't know if you want to, I don't you want to do a prediction. <laughs> no, that's, that's it for me. A prediction for the Ravens game. I feel like we're maybe not do in the, the right headspace at this point for uh, for predictions. No, I'm,
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna leave that for now. Thirty-one, nothing Vikings. Posted. Wow. Um. I okay. Don't, I don't I'm saying, I'm saying
1: that. Uh, I know. I don't think you do either. I'm saying the Vikings are up twenty-four, twenty-one heading into the up 24-21 with two minutes left to play. Baltimore has the ball. See what happens. I'll, I'll just leave it at that.
0: Or maybe, hopefully, something happens and they have to just end the game there. Um, <laughs> exactly. I we're can not, we're not play these final two minutes. Yeah. Just wrap it up. These aren't that important, anyways. Um, good. Well, we can wrap up there and, and do a quick Minnesota Wild update. Um, definitely has been a little bit of a more difficult week for the Minnesota Wild. A couple losses. Um, I know Bill Guerin's name has been thrown around in the media right now um, with some potential mishandling, some alleged mishandlings of um, abuse that's happened while he was in power. And it's been a really hard week for the hockey scene in terms of that. And so I I do want to comment on it and just say that I do hope that um, whatever happens out of this, that um, it'll, it is handled uh, with justice. Um, I do think that this this situation has just been so um, has, has brought to light a real dark side of sports and so I don't know what that means for Bill Gary yeah. moving forward. I know that there's some talk of him taking over that U.S um, Olympic GM position and that's in question certainly with the allegations that are out there. So I do um, wh- whatever comes out of that investigation, I do hope that um, the appropriate moves are, are, are made. Um, in terms of the Minnesota Wild teams on the ice, uh, I know that there. I've, I've seen some chatter now about Kaprizov, and I, this is what comes with the the territory of signing the big deal: is is that when you have an off night, it, it hurts a lot more. And I know he's got six points in eight games. Uh, people would probably say that um, his on ice performance and just what you've actually seen from him is, is lacking from what you you had last year. I, I do feel like he's just too talented a player to um for it to hold on for that long i, I it's not like this contract is going to look bad um but i think there is this first year process sometimes when when guys sign these big deals that it's hard for them to um keep their performance up to the standard that um, sometimes they, yeah. they do when they're on entry level deals where where it pressure's off a little bit and it just feels like everything they're doing is is just gravy and and, and bonus um so patience um, it's amazing how hard patience is for, for sports fans and how, like, it's just like, it's easy to say when you're, when you're not cheering for a team, um, but it, it does mm-hmm. feel like it's just kind of what, what you have to go through. There's humans on, on that they're watching on, on our TVs or in the stands. If you're yeah. so yeah. lucky to be there. Yeah. I mean, expectations are a tricky things, you know, when the season began last
1: year, no one expected much out of the wild. And I mean, there's hope around Caprazov, but I don't think anybody expects him to be as good as he was. And now the expectations are quite different. So I think what same, I'm saying it's true. It's even though it's going to be tough to, to get through to Minnesota fans on this one, uh, but patience is probably the best route at this stage. Uh, if people feel that he's unperforming, be
0: patient, be patient. Man, too much fun. Still, still third in their division. It's still early; eight games. It's amazing, though. Actually, like how, how fast hockey happens. Like hockey started well after football, and and the Minnesota Wild have already played more games than the Vikings. Um, so, lots of uh, lots of sports to watch. I, I I will say for Vikings fans, shift over to hockey if you uh, want to be less disappointed. There's, I can't promise no disappointment, but uh, certainly feels that there'll be less. So we'll we'll wrap mm-hmm. up there uh Kyle where can listeners find more of your if you of your stuff head over to purpleptsd.com vikingsgazette.com
1: and uh can get some written content there and otherwise keep swinging by this podcast
0: if you feel so inclined sounds like a plan awesome well we'll wrap up there and we will be back next week after the Ravens game take care everyone